pivotal chapter in the Bible for sure. Um, it's got very far-reaching implications. The uh, narrative is about Abraham, uh, but as important as Abraham was and is, is this too loud? Is okay? as, as important as uh, Abraham was and is, uh, this chapter in Genesis 17 is actually more about God and about, and we learn more about God and His relationship uh, and how He approaches relationships with people. And that's why this chapter has such far-reaching uh, implications for us. Um, this passage is going to showcase some fundamental building blocks of a relationship with God. And I'm going to point out three as we go along. And the decisions that Abraham is faced with are very relevant to us. Uh, we'll see Abraham react and respond to God's call in a way that we can certainly relate to. Um, so, I guess I should probably turn there myself. But, uh, you know, we have been, if, if you are visiting, we have been studying out the uh, book of Genesis and we'll continue to. Uh, but let's review Abraham's uh, progress up to this point. Um, he was called by God in uh, Genesis chapter 12 when he was 75. And he was called to uh, leave Haran, where he lived at the time. And God said at that time, I will make you into a great nation. And then he headed to uh, Canaan, uh, which God promised to eventually give him and would eventually become the promised land. But then there was a famine there, and then he uh, took his family and he fled, uh, without really the approval of God, fled to Egypt. And while he was there, uh, he did some strange things, like pretending uh, or telling people that his wife was actually his sister to kind of protect himself. As you might expect, that didn't go over very well. Um, and then uh, he returned to Canaan, and then uh, he separated um, from his uh, nephew Lot, his Lot headed east, and uh, Abram. I'm going to use Abram and Abraham interchangeably, but at the time he was Abram, and uh, he uh, stayed there. And then God again reiterated his promises to him there in Genesis 13. And then Abram uh, rescues his nephew. Um, and then we heard about this last week. Uh, Bami helped us with this in Genesis 15, uh, where God vividly demonstrates an amazing passage where God vividly demonstrates um, his commitment to the covenant, uh, where God really takes on the sacrifice himself for the failure to meet the covenant. Um, and then he promises to Abram offspring as numerous as the stars in the sky. And some time passes, we don't know exactly how much, but some time passes. And then in chapter 16, which we're kind of skipping over, uh, but chapter 16, uh, his wife Sarah is still childless and barren. And she wants kids, and Abraham wants to get on with producing those stars in the sky, I imagine. Um, and so he has a child through Sarah's servant. Um, she says, take my servant to have a child, and he does it. And then she says, you're responsible for my suffering. Um, so, you know, again, not a good move on his part, and, and he takes the blame there. Um, but they, they got impatient, and Abram got impatient, and he forced the issue. Um, he, he understood God's promises, um, and, uh, but he wanted to get things going. Sarah accused God of withholding children from her, and Abraham didn't really uh, disagree with that. Um, and so where we stand now, God has promised him descendants as numerous. Again, it's the stars in the sky, land and blessings and all kinds of things. Um, and he's, what he has right now is a boy through a slave girl. So 13 years later, we pick up in chapter 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. 
No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you. For the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. The whole land of Canaan where you are now an alien. I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you. And I will be their God. So chapter 17, here we are. We kick it off. God mentions this covenant. Actually, this is the first time that God actually says the word covenant. It was mentioned in Genesis 15 by the narrator, but God actually says, this is my covenant with you. And uh, up to now, it's been a pretty one-sided covenant. Um, it's, uh, you might call it like a royal grant tree, where a king just kind of gives something to you. Very one-sided. It's an unconditional blessing up to this point. Um, it's been all God. Blessings, descendants, um, land. And uh, Abraham did believe God, and he had something to do, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he relocated from Haran. And uh, from Genesis 12, that first call, that was 24 years ago now. And, uh, and it's been at least 13 years since the last word from God. So God, but at this point, God begins to lay out Abram's part of this. And so we think of it more as a, a, a suzerain-vassal relationship. With a suzerain, it's just a name of like a king or a, a sovereign um, that has control over another. And the vassal is a holder of land that usually has to have certain kind of conditions or pay homage to the suzerain or the king. So it starts becoming more of that. It's a conditional treaty. In other words, I will protect you um, and provide for you, but you have to pull up your end of the bargain. And so God leads, in, going back to the scripture, God leads with his, uh, in verse 1, with his conditions, uh, where he says, walk before me and be blameless. And God leads with his conditions here. He's calling Abram to be a faithful and a devoted servant. Now think blameless here, not so much in terms of lack of sin, but blameless that you will never fail to walk before me. Without fail, you'll walk before me. So the first building block, again, I said we have three building blocks, really fundamental to a relationship with God. The first one is be with me. Yeah. You know, this is no God is my co-pilot. I don't know if you see those bumper stickers anymore. In fact, I don't even know if there are that many bumper stickers anymore, except for maybe, you know, my child is a genius at Trentwood Elementary or something like that. But you don't see that many bumper stickers. But they used to have one anyway, God is my co-pilot. But it's not that. It's so much more. Um, being with God, it, it, it exudes position, being next to God, direction, going with God, purpose, being from God, and trust in God. It's all of those things. Yeah. And I think if this is fundamental to a relationship with God. I think about what happens when I walk away from God on my own. For me, maybe not for you, but for me... First thing that kicks up is insecurity. When problems come up or issues, I get insecure. I get insecure at work. I get insecure with relationships, things like that. And it's not, it's not spiritually healthy. I, maybe selfish ambition will kick in sometimes. Well, let me just go after this. When I walk away from God, and I'm not talking to even walk away necessarily like I'm just totally leaving God. I just mean I'm stepping out of a position next to God. And I think about self. I have a void that I need to be filled. And then I'll just lose my dream. And all those things will happen. Well, back to the passage here. What is Abram's response? Mm -hmm. He falls on his face. Yeah. That's an appropriate response. 
That's a great response. And then verse 4, continuing on, God says, as for me, and so God gave, you know, again, his kind of conditions, but he goes right back to what he's going to do. He continues to discuss the blessings and the benefits of this relationship. And he says, you will be the father of many nations. Different from 24 years ago, the blessing has already expanded. It was, I'll make you into a great nation. Now you're going to be the father of many nations. And it's going to be an everlasting covenant, he says. God's calendar has no end. We know that. It's no end, and his promises and blessings are without end and without a timeline. But I still, I wonder what Abram thought at this point. Wow, an everlasting covenant. What concept did he have of everlasting? Maybe he thought, can I commit to something for that long? I don't know. It's a long time. The closest I can come to thinking about that uh, is really marriage. And uh, I am so thankful um, that 26 years ago, I made a lifelong commitment uh, to Gabrielle. And uh, so thankful for that. And uh, that, in my mind, is also an everlasting commitment. You know, I figure, yeah, I know maybe there's not... Uh, marriage in heaven, but I will be your next door neighbor. I will tell you that for sure. Um, but, uh, but it's an everlasting covenant. And then, and then God says, I will be their God. I will be their God. They're only. They're one. They're only. This kind of relationship can't be shared. This was different for the time there. Just having one God. Was, this was different. We hear this declaration, you know, I will be their God. Uh, from God throughout the Old Testament. We hear it in Exodus and Leviticus and passages in Jeremiah. But unlike marriage, this is not an equal partnership. Really, it's God is taking on the greater part. Yeah. It's not equal, meaning God really does more in this part. And we heard some of that in the Great Communion. But the sacrifice is God's. But we do give up something. We give up something that's very dear to us. We give up control. Yeah. Um, because this puts us on a new path. Yeah. Someone else is in the lead. Yeah. And we have to trust. Right. Now, I like leading. I like being in control. I like being able to choose the path. I feel better about that. It's right there. I can, I can control it. I know it's not always the right thing. I'm just saying I like that. Part of the reason we like control is we don't like to wait. I don't like to wait around. Right. Have you ever ridden with someone? First of all, let me tell you, these examples are not for my family. I ride in my work, I ride a lot with other people. Um, so don't look at Gabriel because it's not, not talking about you. Um, but have you ever ridden with someone who you're in the passenger seat and they drive slower than you do? Because we all know that if someone drives, I, I mean, you're, you are the standard, right? So if someone drives faster than you, they're going too fast. If they drive slower than you, they're going too slow. Um, so that's the way I think it was. But have you ever ridden with someone who drives slower than you and you're like, you know, the speed limit here is 35, and you're going 32. You can really probably go a little bit over and not get stopped. I'm just saying, not do what you want. Or maybe they drive slowly in the left lane on the interstate. Oh, my goodness, Mike. All right, Chris, come on. Those people behind you, they look a little upset. I, you could just go over to the right here. And, uh, or maybe they take the long way when you know a shorter way, and you're just like, oh, you could have gone there. So, yeah, we don't like to wait. But the bigger picture, though, is we have plans. We have goals. And we attach a timeline to those. Over 24 years, God has only spoken with Abram a, a handful of times, really. We think it like, oh, they're in constant communication. He just dials them up. No. 
over 24 years, just a handful of times. The benefits of the covenant are great. But will Abram stay with God long enough to see the fruit? Will we stay next to God during trials, during tough times, and stay the faithful course while we wait for His promises? So that brings us to the second building block of a fundamental building block of a relationship with God, and that's number two is belong to me. Let's look at verse nine. Then God said to Abram, to Abraham at this point, as for you, you must keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you for the generations to come. This is my covenant with you and your descendants after you, the covenant you are to keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and you. For the generations to come, every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner. Those who are not your offspring, whether born in your household or bought with money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Things just got real for Abraham. Abraham Abraham has been called and he has taken steps of faith for sure. But the rules have changed a bit. Um, It isn't now just know that I'm God and go to this land, but it's much more. You know, God is not a benevolent advisor. Uh, like a rich uncle who gives you advice and then gives you great presents at Christmas time. And he isn't just a good teacher who inspires you and sends you on your way. No, God is looking for a people to belong to him and to be his very own. You don't need to turn there, but in Deuteronomy 7 verse 6 it says, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples on the face of the earth to be his people, his treasured possession. He was setting them apart from the rest of the world to put his wonders and his love on display. Circumcision was a physical sign of entry into and participation in this covenant with God. For Abraham, this is a new level of commitment. This was his all-in moment. Is he willing to go through this painful ordeal? And not only for him, but all the males in his family and his large household. There's no easing into this decision. You know, when we are faced with smaller all-in moments at times where our commitment is put to the test. You know, and again, smaller moments, but still, I'll use an example. Colton has asked me a few times to go skydiving with him. Okay. Now, he hasn't been, but he's asked me that. And each time I'm like, oh, yeah, Colton, that, that sounds great. You know, we should do that sometime. Yeah. And then, uh, then I tend to not bring it up again um, at all. Um, you know, this skydiving, you just have to imagine when you think of an all-in moment, when I'm just imagining, never done it, but standing there on the precipice, so to speak, open door, there's air, and there's the safety of the plane, and in this particular case, all-in means all-out. Uh, so, someone's going to have to be there to push me, so Colton better be behind me, but that's certainly an all-in or out proposition. In or out commitment here for Abraham is about ownership. Who is the boss of me? It's like the kids say, you're not the boss of me. Well, Abraham had to decide, who is the boss of me? We have the same decision to make ourselves, whether to belong to God or to belong to ourselves. You know, you hear these statements, you know, I have to be true to myself. I have to follow my heart. I have to follow my own path. 
those are not statements that show possession by God. Those are possessions that say, I belong to me. I choose my own path. Deuteronomy 6 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Our hearts are to be devoted to Him. Now, I don't know, maybe you've been distracted in your relationship with God. Maybe you've had trouble having quiet times or devotional times. You know, I'll tell you that God has not walked away from you. It's your position before God. Someone or something else has occupied God's rightful place in your heart. It's an issue of commitment or of ownership. When we are all in and committed in our relationship with God and we belong to Him, we will be connected to God. Let's, let's continue in this passage as we lead up to our third foundational building block in verse 15. God also said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will also bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He, he laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. And Ishmael, of course, was the son he had through the slave woman, Hagar. You know, uh, this Abraham, at this point, to put it bluntly, was looking for a shortcut. Abraham must have been, at the time, he's probably mulling over circumcision in his mind, and that, I'm sure, would get in your mind a little bit. Um, But uh, then, at the same time, then God just gets real specific with this plan. And he gets very specific. And Abraham must be thinking, at this point, God, you're going to give me a son through Sarah? I'm 99 years old. Surely you don't mean that, God. Consider Ishmael over here. He's 13, young, strapping boy, teenager, strong. Surely your blessings can come from him. He's right there. Let's, let's do it. Now, a desire for a shortcut, a desire for a shortcut comes from a lack of belief in God yeah. and in God's promises. We get tempted with shortcuts all the time. Maybe it's in taking jobs or taking a job. And uh, we think, oh, I just, I got to have this job. I, I know it's not a good situation. I'm far from the fellowship. and But God will make it work. I, I know it'll happen. It'll be okay. Or maybe it's, maybe it's how we spend our time and our priorities. And all I have time right now to do is say a quick prayer to God when I'm driving to work. Or maybe it's in relationships. And, well, I know it, the Bible says don't be yoked with an unbeliever, but... I think she might be a believer. I, surely, surely this will work. Why would I not feel this way if, if God, why would God put this person in, in my path if I felt this way? And I'm sure Abraham was feeling some similar things. There's Ishmael right there. I'm 99. God hears Abraham's suggestion and his shortcut, and God responds. So let's see what God says in verse 19. Then God said, yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son. And you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. I will surely bless him. 
I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase his numbers. He will be the father of twelve rulers, and I will make him into a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. When he had finished speaking with Abraham, God went up from him. Now in the NIV, God's response is, yes, but. I really like the Holman Christian standard. It says it differently. I don't know how it could be the same passage in Hebrew, but in the Holman Christian, God says, no. That's his answer. Abraham asked for a shortcut, and God simply says, no. This is how it's going to be. So God's very specific on that. God's choice in this plan was clear. Ishmael he would bless, but the covenant was to be with Isaac. In one year, Isaac, who did not yet exist, and God just named him, uh, was, to come, was to come from a 99-year-old father and a 90-year-old mother. Uh, even in those times, that was impossible. That just did not happen. That brings us to our third part as we've been talking about, really the third fundamental building block is belief. Abraham is, in fact, at a crisis of belief. His next move will reveal not just his commitment to God, but his belief in God. Belief that God is going to do something impossible. How about you? How are your impossible prayers going? I know the days, maybe gone by a bit, when we used to ask each other and challenge each other on that. Like, what impossible prayers are you praying right now? And maybe you guys still do that. To my shame, I haven't been. But how about just the difficult prayers? Belief is radical. I tell you what, if I'm going to jump out of an airplane, I'm going to have to have belief, some kind of radical belief that this parachute is going to open up. Belief belief is radical. It it really gets us to the other side of that all-in moment. Our belief in God is what connects us to God's power. It raises the roof from what we're able to see to what God can actually do. It causes us to act. Suddenly, and here's some examples, suddenly that always grumpy neighbor down the street that you've been avoiding, when you really believe and it causes you to act, you think, I I can make a difference here. And you actually engage with him and talk with him. Or that long-standing rift in your family. Belief arms you with the faith to seek reconciliation. Or maybe it's just your regular times with God and family devotionals and not missing church belief. Make sure that you make it happen. It could be your tithing. That through your belief, you're going to start tithing. Or maybe it just arms you with renewed hope and trust. With no time limit on it. Whatever the need is, belief emboldens you to take on the difficult and the impossible. With prayer and with action. So let's see Abraham's response. Verse 23. On that very day, Abraham took his son Ishmael... And all those born in his household or bought with his money, every male in his household, and circumcised them as God told him. Abraham was 99 years old when he was circumcised, and his son Ishmael was 13. Abraham and his son Ishmael were both circumcised on that same day. And every male in Abraham's household, including those born in his household or bought from a foreigner, was circumcised with him. Abraham's response? He obeyed. He obeyed with swift and decisive action. He carried out God's instructions for him and for his entire household. Through his obedience, God's power would make him the father of many nations, starting with Isaac in a year, 
but bringing blessings to God's people forever. You know, obedience is closely linked with belief. When we truly believe, obedience follows. And the need to obey is not to satisfy some need from God to be all-powerful. No, but rather obedience is the way that we connect with God's blessings. If we go our own way, as I mentioned before, we find trouble. We disconnect ourselves when we go our own way from God's blessings. In Galatians 3 verse 14, it says the blessing to Abraham comes to us through Jesus Christ. Christ is the mediator of this covenant. Our obedience and our response comes after the promise, after the sacrifice, just like it was for Abraham. So I'm not going to read this passage, but jot down a very relevant passage to this in, uh, in Romans chapter 4, verses 18 through 25, where Paul writes about Abraham. And he says, he recounts, he says, against all hope, he believed in, in an impossible situation. Yeah. That Abraham believed in an impossible situation. That Abraham faced the facts without weakening in his faith. Abraham didn't waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. He did look for a detour and an easier way, but he held on to God's promises. These words are for us as well. The facts are that the covenant with Abraham reaches to us today. Yes, we're in the new covenant, but it started with Abraham. In Genesis 15, as we talked about, God passes through the broken pieces of the animals to say that he would pay the price for our breaking of the covenant. And we sinned, and he paid the price of restoration through relationship, through Jesus Christ's sacrifice and our relationship with him. And because of his great mercy, and through faith, we are credited with righteousness. And God graces us with baptism rather than circumcision and allows us to participate in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And this Holy Spirit circumcises our hearts. These are deep things that all this passage speaks to. We can't cover it all right now. In Galatians 6 verse 15, though Paul says neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts as a new creation? And then 1 Peter 2 9, Peter says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We have access to God. We have righteousness through Christ, set apart to be his people and sharing in his purpose. God calls us to love him with all of our heart. This call is be with me, belong to me, and believe in me. Amen. Amen. call uh, to really look at ourselves and uh, figure out what it is to have a heart to be devoted to God. Uh, but, you know, what does that radical belief look like? Having jumped out of the plane myself, it does take radical belief uh, and a lot of stuff there. But, you know, more importantly, what does that radical belief look like in our lives? You know, is it just belief? Because it is so easy just to stop at belief. But what does that belief lead to? 
What kind of actions are we taking in our lives? I think it is a great opportunity for us to look at our own lives and ask ourselves, does our belief, does our faith in God lead to action? Or is it just a fuzzy feeling? Because jumping out of a plane, it's more than a fuzzy feeling. It's got to be a shove and a push sometimes. And so if you are visiting, uh, maybe you need that shove. Maybe you need that push to really take that next step so that your belief does lead to action. So please talk to the uh, person that... um, Ask you to come out today and you know ask them, hey, can you show me the scriptures? Can you actually teach me what it means to have my faith, my belief put into action? Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, next Sunday we are going to be at the Pickett Road building. Uh, the address is 1132 Pickett Road. That's in Norfolk. Uh, service will be a little bit earlier. It's going to be at 9 a.m. Uh, there. And so it's going to be our group here in South Beach and the coastal region um, together. Uh, so I, just want, I would love to see all you guys there on uh, Sunday morning. Got to be honest, I'm a little nervous more than normal uh, to do this one. Because it's like you're going to be judging me and saying, is he really ready to be um, appointed? So I would love to have you all be there uh, as my support system. As my support system. Uh, also wanted to mention on Tuesday nights, we all meet um, together at the same location at 11, at 1132 Pickett Road at 7 p.m. So if you guys are interested, come on out to that as well. Uh, with that, let's go to God in prayer. And if I can invite the singers on up here, we'll have a closing song. God, thank you so much uh, just for giving just, just um, an incredible example of Abram, God, and his faith, God, but not only his faith, but his challenges with that faith, uh, his challenges in just listening um, to you, God. And I just pray that today, God, we can take your word, God, and really uh, let it seep into uh, into our hearts, God, and actually do something with it. Let our obedience lead to action, God, because we know that you have done everything for us, God, even when uh, our lives look like a disaster, God, that you still reach down to us and still uh, we're willing to send your son for us, God. I just pray that um, today, God, we can go out just have an incredible day, God. Keep us all safe, God, and I love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Let's go ahead and stand. And we're going to close out singing glory, glory.